And that has prompted me in the past to roll out educational materials to help them in their practicals. I think um, I have been a positive influence to this. To this, There's no end to it. I'll keep doing my best. I still want people to join this train and then um, latch onto social media to harness its um, raw power. Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. The use of social media in pathology has been around for several years now, and it seems like its popularity continues to grow on a global scale. Today, my guest is Dr. Olaliki Folaranmi. Dr. Folaranmi is a pathologist in Nigeria, and he's recently written an article about his experience with the use of social media in pathology. Today, we're going to talk about that article, as well as Dr. Folaranmi's career so far and some of the ways social media has helped him. All right, here's Dr. Olaleki Folaranmi. Let's talk about kind of your your early education, and then I want to get into how you were, who or what kind of inspired you to become a doctor. So let's start there. After my high school, I actually had a degree in microbiology. And so in Nigeria, when you finish a degree, there's a mandatory youth service, like a paramilitary posting. And then I served in one of the most remote parts of the country. I served with a doctor who I saw, I made a lot of um, difference in the remote uh, rural area. I saw how he could uh, solve many people's problems. And I wondered what could have happened if it was not posted at that point to that um, village. And so I got inspired to, to go back to school for a second degree, this time around um, medicine and surgery. That's about it. I was inspired during that service, and uh, voila, I became a dream come true. Can we talk about that youth service a little bit? Like, what kind of work were you doing? Yeah, I because of my microbiology background, I was posted to the lab. Of course, this was a lab that had very little facilities, so nothing much of microbiology was going on there, except checking malaria, checking blood films for malaria parasites, assisting with the hematology grouping and cross-matching blood, using um, rapid test kits for other ailments and the rest. And then uh, sometimes I would assist him at the delivery suit if there's nobody there when he's suturing, he's suturing um, episcio raffis. And that's how we go very close. And then I became like his um, henchman, like his side uh, kick. Okay. That's interesting. That sounds like a really good experience. And I think mm-hmm. how you mentioned the kind of lack of uh, facilities and lack of uh, supplies, or, uh, that kind of thing, that seems to be something that still is the case there in, in Nigeria. Yeah, in, in many parts of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I can understand why that experience would have inspired you to become a doctor. That makes perfect sense. Now, then going into medical school, did you have specialties in mind, maybe maybe based on that experience? Well, I wanted to be objective. And so I wanted to use my medical school grades to point me to the right direction. I was thinking of looking at um, the subjects in which I had performed better than others. And surgery was top on the list. 
during the fourth year that was that, that is when we do uh pathology posting i loved the way pathologists were on time their lectures meticulous uh, meticulous with their lectures they came right on time they spoke with authority they looked like folks that knew what they were doing that inspired me but i was waiting till the end of um medical school and internship in overall i think i did best in surgery then second was um pathology but internship year uh, made me to choose pathology because now the surgery hours were crazy i would leave home some 30 a.m. in the morning and then closing hour was like 10 10 10 p.m. that's 2200 hours I just felt I would not have a life if I go into surgery, so I had to do- drop surgery, and I chose um, pathology. Going into pathology is that for your residency, like it is here in in the U.S. Well, um, in the U.S., I think there, there is no um, strict internship year like we have. We have like um, mm, an internship right. year that that makes you become a medical officer. In the U.S., the internship year is the first year in residency. It is not the case here. Okay. So can we can we talk about what the uh, residency is like? Like what what kind of things you do throughout the the term of the residency? Oh, um, residency! You the first few months you are given books to read, histology, so that you can get um, acclimatized to reading histology slides, the normal stuffs before you know the abnormal, like they will say. You cannot recognize the abnormal if you do not recognize the normal. So that's about it. You read general pathology and then you read a lot of, you, you do a lot of histology and then you review with the senior residents and consultants and they take you, they take you on cases from the simplest to the toughest on everyday cases as, as they come. Also, you have to do seminars, present seminars to test your understanding of uh, basic principles and pathology and the rest. That's by. As by and large, what we do in residency is learning on the job every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand. Do you have much experience, or did you get much experience with? I I don't know what they call it in your country, but here it's called grossing the the kind of the dissection of the specimens. Oh yeah, that's okay. a good thing. That's a good thing here. Within a few months, six months, you you gross uh, under supervision. We don't have pathology assistants in the in the in Nigeria. Okay. So the residents do that part. Okay, I see that. that. That's the reason why I was asking because that's that is what I do here in the U.S. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, did you did you enjoy grossing? Well, it's it, we since we see it as part of our job, and I believe diagnosis starts from the gross table. Now that I am a consultant, I still I still find it more comfortable to be at gross or gross myself before I see the slides. There is a personal as a personal attachment. It's different from when somebody has gross for you and then you're looking at the slides. Unless the person is very meticulous and diagrams and the rest, but I think um, gross um, pathology is one of the key parts of our work. That makes sense to me. All right, now I know you you've written in the paper that we're going to talk about later that Nigeria doesn't really have formal subspecialties within pathology, but I, I know you, you've, you've said that you have an interest in dermatopathology. Yes. And I'm curious how, how did you develop this interest? Where did that come from? 
Yeah. So um, I have this colleague, she's in internal medicine, a dermatologist. And then she would complain that she wasn't getting the right diagnosis from our services. That we would say non-specific chronic inflammation, blah, blah, blah. And then I wanted to make a difference. Because I know many pathologies run from dermatopathology. It's not easy to tackle a field without guidance. And so I started reading. I started consulting um, people on social media. I remember I joined the Marquis Dam group on Facebook. And then I extended that to um, Twitter. I would share cases. I would get um, directions. I would read and then get more understanding. And I found that I was getting better. Gradually, knowing the little ones, the lichenoid, um, inflammatory reactions, the psoriasis form, patterns of inflammation, add tons of videos from dermatopathology. Uh, Gerard Gardner did a lot of work from skin pathology to various um, dermatopathology series. And so that helped. And then we, it was encouraging because the positive feedback was actually also helping me. We were making diagnoses, sometimes rare, and I would share. And people would say, yeah, you got this. It was quite encouraging. Okay, yeah, that that kind of uh, collaboration—that's very interesting thing. And there, there that some of the things you're talking about. There's so much information out there now uh, to help people uh, to to learn these concepts. So I think that's great. Are there any other like would be would be considered pathology subspecialties that that you're kind of interested in as well, or is it mostly dermatopathology? Oh. Oh no, dermatopathology is by the site. We see lots of um, breast cases, so I have no choice. I've taken very quite inter- I've taken a, a much interest in um, breast pathology these days, and I have very good friends on Twitter who are into breast pathology. I I think uh, you know you don't have a choice in Nigeria if you want to practice here. We see lots of breast um, cases, from benign to the borderline cases, and then the frankly malignant ones that are tough to navigate around. Also, um, GI pathology. Like I said, this is also common. Gastric biopsies, colonic biopsies, we see that every day. Um, I think those are largely most of the things that we see. Aside um, soft tissue pathology, but that's tough, yeah, because the we don't have um, ready access to ancillary techniques. Soft pathology is a it's a difficult area for us. All right. So you're you're currently at Elorin Teaching Hospital. Yes. And I want to talk about kind of what is a, a typical day for you there. Okay. From residency days, I, I leave home very early from 6.30 a.m. I'm at work by 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. To read up difficult cases from the day before, view difficult slides, that I had abandoned, abandoned over the, I mean, don't see difficult cases when it is uh, 4, 4 p.m. and plus. So that's the rule. I go back to difficult cases with a fresh eye, read up, write reports, and then check Twitter for notifications that I have missed if I have shared any cases. Now, depending on what um, service I'm rendering that week, it could be cytology or surgical pathology. If it's cytology, you get called to do fine needle aspirations, and then you get slides and report them. But if it's surgical pathology, I check all the specimens to be grossed, check and see if there's anyone that needs special attention. 
After that, we do the grossing, attend um, academic seminars, take residence, and then whatever work comes from um, the day, like correcting reports, attending to patients who have one concerns or the other. That's like a typical day for me in my place of work. Okay, that, that sounds like a very full day. Do you have like teaching duties throughout your day? Yes, teaching duties with the residents. If now on the schedule, I'll be paired with the residents. So if we have cases, we view on the multi-aided uh, microscope, or they would have viewed from their own microscope when they bring to me, we discuss, talk about the uh, diagnosis, their approach. We make small talks on how they missed or how they got it. And we all share experiences, experiences and we learn. It's a two-way traffic. We learn from um, one another. Okay, I like that. that. That's a good message. All right. Now, something I saw online, you were interviewed for an article from Michigan Pathology. And the title of this was Educating Beyond Borders. So I'm, I'm curious about that. How did you get involved with Michigan? Oh, yeah. Uh, back in the days, Mich- Mich- the University of Michigan uh, Pathology Department used to have um, daily diagnosis series. They would share a case from a particular organ system in a week. It could be GI week. It could be um, cardiopath- uh, cardiovascular week. And then they would share unknown cases and um, give questions for us to answer and um give um, ancillary IHC, immunochemistry, and then people will give diagnosis. At first, this was very difficult, very challenging, because many of the cases I had no idea. They were not common in our own area. But as, times, as time was going on, I started um, grabbing, uh, grasping the, the ideology, the, uh, the teaching. I started reading more. I started getting more answers. And then I became like the Michigan uh, favorite. I would, I would be there. I would, I would wait for that time of the hour to answer questions, give differentials. It was fun because to me it was a very different way of learning. It was not physical. It was just over, I mean, online. Not many thought this could happen that thousands of miles away you could be do, engaging in academic activities. And so um, I was noticed by the handler of the Michigan Pathology. And I, I did an interview. I was sent some series of questions and I answered. The, the interview was, in summary, the interview was to showcase the impact of um, social media in pathology education. Okay, yeah, and I'll include a link to to that uh, interview article in the show notes for this episode because uh, it's yeah. very interesting. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Dr. Ololiki Fularanmi. We'll be right back. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. Now back to Dr. Ololeki Fularanmi on the People of Pathology podcast. Now, speaking of the, the influence of, of social media in education, you recently co-authored a paper on this very subject, and this is called The Influence of Social Media in Promoting Knowledge Acquisition and Pathology Excellence in Nigeria. Oh. 
and this is how we kind of came in contact with each other because I read the article and I wanted to talk about it. Okay. Uh, so, so first of all, the purpose of this article, was it to show others in Nigeria how social media could be useful, a useful tool to them, or was there there's some other uh, purpose for this? Uh, absolutely. The purpose was to show others, really in my, in my, in my part of the world, where there's constraint, there is limited access to latest journals, textbooks, and the rest. You can use social media to bridge some of the knowledge gap in our, in our own uh, realities. So if we harness this, the purpose was just to show that if you harness this, you can actually fill up a lot of gaps in training and experience. There are many places in Nigeria that um, send immunosocial chemistries to other places. But here on Twitter, you find people share histology cases. You, sh- you see them share immunosocial chemistry. I will not forget very, uh, very um, important lesson I got. I wasn't used to immunosocial back back then, and so I remember a lesson: staining S one hundred. You could only regard it as positive if a cytoplasmic and nuclear positivity. The message was, I mean, stuck with me because I wouldn't have known. These are things we were not doing at the time, and so I think. Social media has, it's a, it's a big, um, advantage for us that we don't have to travel for, or find money to travel for any conferences or get observership in any distant countries. Just log into your Twitter, uh, Facebook and interact with people, share cases, and then you have a lot to learn. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I've learned a lot from Twitter myself. Now, how did, how did you first discover pathology Twitter? You know, how did you get started with it? Well, maybe a stroke of luck, or maybe not. I actually okay. uh, opened my Twitter account. It was just for political activism. That was what my Twitter account was for. And later, I just stumbled on a um, pathology-related um, account. And then it was very interesting. I will not forget um, the person Jim Okupade's tweets. He would uh, share no or fail, hashtag no or fail, which means if you don't know this, then you're failed. That was my own interpretation anyways. So I would look at the cases which are supposed to be spot diagnosis. And I found that I didn't know some of those answers. My um, deficiencies were staring at me right there. And I knew I had to brace up. So I started following him. I saw that related account. I started following them. And then it became, it just blew up in my face. I started um, sharing cases, I started taking pictures with my phone, sharing cases for um, interactions and the rest. And the rest is history now. Yeah, that's. I, I think I had kind of had a similar experience. I kind of came onto it. Well, not really by accident. Someone had, I had heard about it and went on there and realized, you know, what I had been missing because it's such a huge community and everybody is really active. And if you have any questions, there are a lot of people that will help you with to find the answers. Yes. Back to the paper then. Now, th- there's one example that you give in there about the usefulness of social media. And this is in the area of professional networking and mentorship, which I think are both very important uh, topics. And I don't think they're talked about enough in pathology and, and lab medicine in general. Now, can we talk about how 
how this might work as far as using social media to do these things? And, and maybe do you have some examples of how that, that has happened in your own life? Okay. I, uh, my, with my interactions in the past years, I have been able to get people kind of, I uh, kind of see informally as mentors because they showed um, interest in my work. They asked about what I do. They have sincere interest in my cases. Over the past few years, I've had people who volunteer that I send blocks for immunological chemistry or insight to hybridization for cases that were difficult. I've had people who had um, offered help in reading manuscripts that I was writing. And then I think I was, it wasn't forced. I didn't ask for it, but they, they developed a sincere interest and I kind of welcomed it. So I think um, social media is also a very good place to have people who can mentor you and then offer their professional networking to increase your, your visibility. I haven't mentioned this, but recently I, I got a, um, invitation to speak at the International Academy of Pathology that is, is going to be holding at Sydney, Australia. Wow. I got this, okay. yeah, I got this invite, uh, last year and it was much more earlier before uh, I did the paper on um, social media, which shows that it's not about the paper. It's because our people showed interest and wanted me to share how social media had influenced my residency and my work as an attending um, pathologist. So I think it's a big it's a big deal to me. You mentioned how people have been mentors to you. What about you being mentors to other? Has that happened through the use of social media? Oh yes, I. Uh, like everyone else, I, I, I have um, encouraged people, residents in my department, to join Twitter. I've, I've tried to influence others. Not everybody took, because it's not easy. I understand some are not um, social media savvy, but a few are taking up the challenge. I can see increasing interest in social media these days, and people follow and say, oh, yes, we... Um, Method to social media, even medical students, because I take lectures for some of my uh, bosses. And then you find out um, students following me. And that has prompted me in the past to roll out educational materials to help them in their practicals. I think um, I have been a positive influence to this, to this. There's no end to it. I'll keep doing my best. I still want people to join this train and um, latch onto social media to harness its um, raw power. Most of the paper deals with Twitter specifically, and I think it even says in there that that's, Twitter isn't even, It's I think it was like the sixth most most popular uh, social Nigeria. media platform. Yeah, mm. which, which makes it difficult right there. And I know you write about some of the other difficulties in, in getting widespread adoption of Twitter in low and middle income countries. Yes. I wonder, can we, can we talk about a few of these? Um, the first problem I highlighted was uh, that of lack of awareness. People think Twitter is just for engaging in political talks, um, rivalry, making jokes. Like I said, I joined Twitter um, as a political activist. But of course, that changed. I had to rewire my account. I stopped following political handles. I purged my account of many things. And we configure to pathology. 
So many are not aware that you can use Twitter to learn, to network, and make um, you know make connections and collaborations all over the world. The second thing I mentioned is about um, the poor infrastructure, internet infrastructure in Nigeria. Like we expressed in the beginning of this um, interview, I was relying on one network, but it failed me, so I had to go back mm-hmm. to another. So it's it's difficult. Actually, the broadband, the high-speed internet, it is costly, and then it may not be accessible to people outside the big cities. So that, that is also a um, a big challenge. Some you, sometimes I, I didn't mention this, but you find that the older ones would say they don't know how to navigate around um, these social media networks. They don't know how to use it. Perhaps they're not interested. That could be a, a major problem in the elderly ones. Also peculiar to Nigeria is um, political unrest. For the first time in Nigeria that I'm aware, of, Nigeria banned Twitter for more than 100 days due to some incendiary comments by political activists and the government was concerned that it could uh, turn into an insurrection. Twitter was banned for a while before this was um, reversed. So it's also a big issue. It's a challenge if such can happen. And Nigeria is not the only country that, that this can happen in. Other African countries have done this in the past, especially during um, periods of political unrest. So I think those are the major challenges that I discussed in that um, paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that as far as the political unrest and kind of the lack of access, I suppose there's not much you can really do about that. But as far as the lack of awareness, I think it, it seems like a paper like this is exactly kind of targeting that aspect and trying to raise the awareness of, yes. of using social media, especially yes. Twitter. Yes, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I know this This was, I think this was just recently published, but have you heard feedback from others that have read it that thought, okay, m- maybe I'm going to give it a try now? Well, well, not really, but um, I have had people give positive feedbacks, how it addresses the issues on ground. I've had a resident who I've seen now who posts regularly, and the last post she made, I saw about 100 likes. To me, that's that's a win. That's a win because yeah. within a few within a few weeks of starting um, being active on Twitter, she's getting many um, interactions and engagements from my network, and then I'm proud. And I hope that in the future there'll be more like that. That one would um, have engaged so much that um, they can also share their cases on Twitter and get help and also get um, learning points, interact with mm-hmm. others, and form collaborations in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right, something else in the paper then. You, you mentioned the potential for international collaboration through Twitter and, and probably through other platforms as well. And it seems like this would be really interesting as far as research because you could get uh, you know, more diverse data from, uh, you know, from different countries. Yes. All right, so tell me, what, what are your thoughts on this type of collaboration? Well, um, many times we complain that um, researches do not reflect the um, African side of the story. I remember a particular case that I shared. It was a dermatopathology case. And then 
my mentors were asking me if I saw a, a sign on the skin. I told them, we don't see such on a dark skin. Of course, they realized that, oh, we are, we are missing something. Dark skin pathology, I mean, the clinical things you see will not be as those who have, um, you know, light skin. And that means that dermatopathology textbooks that show only light skin may not strictly apply to us, may not be quite useful if we need clinical pictures of um, skin diseases. Using light-skinned uh, books will not be helpful to us. That's one. Now, um, in Africa, we are doing our best, but it, it doesn't get to the outside world because of the constraint in finances. I mean, how many people can actually afford to attend um, international conferences? I doubt it. I don't think anybody's salary can actually pay for even the um, transport or lodging to, to get to an international conference for collaboration. But right now, on social media, we collaborate. I mentioned in my paper how we collaborated on using um, artificial intelligence to analyze histology images. I'm trying to design if the machine learning can distinguish between benign malignant. And there were so many pathologists all over the world who contributed cases. This is only possible through social media. So I think it's a good opportunity for us to to collaborate. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a great thing and it's something that we really should work on expanding in the future because, you know, collaborating worldwide can, can only help, uh, you know, all of us. So I, that's, yes. those, those are great examples. I like them. Now, I mean, you've mentioned kind of the, 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 or the things you were doing on Twitter originally and it wasn't pathology related. And I know Twitter kind of has a reputation of being more for politics or maybe I don't know, celebrities or something like that. But those of us that use it for pathology, it, it seems like could there be, could could pathology Twitter be kind of used as a model for an actual platform that's only for medicine or pathology? Is that, you know, and then, and then you could have a more formal system of international collaboration and con- consultation. Does that seem like something that would be necessary? And in it, and if so, do you think Twitter could be kind of a model for that? Well, uh, while it might be difficult to say, but remember, about ten years ago, only if you knew that the social media would be a platform where professionals would come together to share cases to collaborate. We, we can't say in the next few years. Maybe something can come out. Remember right now, we have uh, a platform that is being promoted on social media, Kiko, that is a knowledge in, knowledge out, by mm-hmm. Dr. Jo- Jonan Ho. Now, you find out that that platform is meant strictly for doctors or physicians or those who work in pathology-related fields where you can upload your cases and then people can comment. I think we, we could have stuff like this grafting of Twitter, or maybe later, Twitter may have a, um, a program or let me say like a community where only pathologists will be able to comment, maybe to join. We can't say the future is still much ahead of us. But I think it will actually bridge a lot of gaps if such exists. And I, I'm betting on it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense with, with, with the popularity of it. it. It seems like something like that would, would almost definitely happen. 
I appreciate you coming on, and uh, it was it was interesting to learn more about you and and learn more about your work in Nigeria, and definitely to talk about this paper. Thank you. So, so uh, Dr. Oluki Fularamni, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on your show. Great big thanks to Dr. Ololeki Fuller on me. Here's a trailer from another episode that I think you'll enjoy. And then I'll be back with some final comments on this episode. So for you, what was your experience with discovering medical technology? How, how did you discover the field? Well, then is it may sound a cliche, but uh, same story with me. Actually, me being a part of the medical laboratory science community is quite an accident and a beautiful accident, if I may add. Uh, when I was in high school, I did not have any idea of what medical laboratory science was until I entered my first year college. Actually, the school that I went to, I originally enrolled to another course and that was a political science because uh, back then I wanted to be a part of the uh, legal community and uh, so the rest is history. And okay. um, at the last minute, during the enrollment period, while well, I was queuing on the line for the political science uh, course, immediately my attention got caught by the medical laboratory science profession uh, or a medical laboratory science line. And it was shorter. It was quite a shorter line compared to the, med- uh, to the political science uh, uh, enrollment line. And so by accident, I just so happened to make a last-minute decision without even consulting my parents to shift all of a sudden to the medical laboratory science course. You can hear more from Oli Brian Maliari and his experience with lab medicine in the Philippines in episode 75. Like I said at the beginning, the use of social media in pathology, and especially Twitter, is becoming more and more popular. And as Dr. Fularanmi points out, it has applications in research, in networking, of course, and also in medical education. But as he also points out, it's not without its challenges. And he pointed out some of those in his own country. It's a great way to interact with colleagues all around the world. And there have been some really exciting examples of global collaboration that have come out of the use of social media. So it will be interesting to see uh, where this goes in the future. As always, I'll have links in the show notes to everything that we talked about today. Don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at People of Path, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. And together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. And you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.